0: Hello and welcome to the Lackadaisical LibroCubicularist. And now your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical LibroCubicularist. Today, within the LibroCube, I should specify, is uh, Internet Day in which we discuss, meaning I discuss, and you listen, um, things from the interwebs, things that I have sort of weeded through and brought back for your listening pleasure. Pleasure. Mm, pleasure. On my internet day episodes, I do not, at the beginning of every show, say that there will be spoilers because doesn't really make sense for me, uh, to me, to say that I will spoil things from the internet. I don't know, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, I think i brought it up once before, uh, sort of my order of spoiler importance, uh, see if you agree with this. Uh, movie Mondays, that's where my spoiler warning is most important, because if a movie is spoiled, it can at least, this is all from my point of view. Uh, be Ruined. TV Tuesday, second most important important of spoiler warnings. If a TV show episode is ruined, I'm not going to lose a great amount of sleep uh, over it. If sort of entire season arc uh, is ruined, then maybe I'd be a little more upset. Book but Wednesdays, uh, I've read books where I knew what the ending was going to be and still enjoyed them. So much... Uh, sort of declining on the scale of spoiler warning importance, followed by her Video Games Day. I think in the case of video games, if it is spoiled for me, does not much matter, just because video game stories, as I mentioned um, in an episode I recorded yesterday, uh, video game stories are not usually too good, (laughs) basically. And lastly, Fry Internet Day. If I'm spoiling things from the Fry Internet, it's uh, usually spoiling of a you know three minute video. So, what's the big deal, right? How about that for a little behind the scenes, behind the brain action uh, when it comes to spoiler warnings? Interesting? Question mark. I don't know. Today's sponsor is a dance craze that is. Sweeping the Nations, uh, plural. Uh, It is a dance craze created by Corpulent Chess, and it's called the Helix. Once again, today's sponsor is the dance craze Sweeping the Nation from a man by the name of Corpulent Chess. It is the Helix. Alright, let's, why don't I, or we, the the Royal We, or the Podcast We, very similar We's, why don't we jump right in to item the first? It is Vsauce. Ah, baby. Love a little Vsauce in the Liberal Cube. Bring it back quite often because it's just sort of mind blowing stuffs. Uh, what do I have? Looks like I have two. Oh, uh, probably because of my week off of podcasting. Because he does one a week, so I guess I grabbed them both and brought them back. Hey, why not? The first one was called uh, Space Straw. Huh. The sort of uh, idea behind this is that because of the differences in pressure between space um, and, um, I guess, sea level, if you were to put a straw in the sea or ocean, uh, that went all the way up into space, would uh, the the differences in pressure cause the water to go all the way through the straw into space? The short answer is no. Mm -hmm. However, uh, something I like about this series is that although the answer is no, the short answer is no, the long answer is... No, but here's why. (laughs) And here's the math proving why. Uh, It would go up... uh, Oh, shoot, I can't remember if it was 10 meters or 10 feet. I believe it was 10 meters. What uh, Michael at Vsauce usually does is all his measurements in metric, which, being Canadian, I obviously very much appreciate. Uh, And then as he's saying the measurements in metric, the measurements in uh, imperial will pop up on the screen. So you'll have both, but only the audio in metric. Uh-huh. Cool. I like it. His Vsauce web series sort of... He, he gets millions of views, I, sh- I should point out. So it's possible you have heard of these, if you are one of the millions who have watched them. Uh, he'll take a, He'll take that straw thought and then just sort of build from it. So, the whole, the whole uh, 7, 10, 11, whatever minute talk will not be just about the straw idea. Uh, for example, he pointed out that our atmosphere, so between, you know, the ground and space, is very, very thin. Uh, for example, if the Earth were an apple, The thickness of our atmosphere would be relative to the skin of said apple. Wow, that is thin. Uh, Something else he pointed out uh, that was very cool is, well, I guess not cool, but kind of, I don't know if it's frightening or or what it is, really. You you know what, you tell me, what is this? (laughs) We are probably in not very long going to run out of helium, now, is that a huge, huge loss? I guess. there's you, you immediately go to balloons, do you not? I know I do. Uh, however, there's got to be other uses that use helium besides just balloons. That will no longer be possible in a not very uh, long amount of time, he points out. Just because it is lighter than air and escapes into space. So, hmm. Uh, now, for me, the coolest part of this one in particular was he talked about breath. Now, that doesn't sound interesting. No, no, it does not. However, this is, um, I don't think it's a theory so much as something that can be proved with science and math. He points out that um, the atoms that I breathe out will take approximately 10 years to to totally uh, disperse in the uh, Earth's atmosphere. So uh, I'm not 100% on the science behind that, but this is what I kind of assume it is, that they can calculate how long it would take for my breath to disperse in, say, a room, and then just use the power of math (laughs) to say, okay, well, if this is how long it takes in a room this size, this is how long it would take in an atmosphere this size. Alright, something to that effect that, that makes sense from a sort of logical standpoint. So the cool sort of mind-blowing thing about that is that if you are 10 years old or older, and I am that, <laughs> 31 or 32, oh shit, 30, how old am I? <laughs> 30, 32, 31? Oh, geez. Anyways, I am older than 10 years old, so we have, you and I, who are both 10 years old or older, have at some point uh, taken into our lungs some of the same, uh, he used carbon dioxide as the example, some of the same carbon dioxide that has been in our lungs. So, and that doesn't matter where you are on the globe. So, For example, the breath that I am releasing right now as I am speaking these words, if you are listening in Australia, uh, ten years from now, some of the atoms released from this breath will end up uh, in your lungs. What? Mind friggin' blown. Love that thought. Kind of uh, seems to almost bring us all together. Does it not? Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, I uh, spent more time on that than I wanted. Let's move on to number two, which was titled How Big Can a Person Get? Uh, a Human Being. The tallest person ever was 8 foot 11. Uh, that's pretty goddamn tall. He, I remember, there's like a, in Niagara Falls, I don't know if it's still there, in the Ripley's, believe it or not, museum, whatever you want to call that, thing, uh, there's like a uh, life-size model of this guy, what was his name, Ludlum or something like that, freaking huge. Anyways, Michael at Vsauce points that when human beings reach sort of the 10, 11, 12-foot mark, that's when... Um, They basically would have to stop being human beings and turn into another species, because our current bone system structure uh, density could not support any uh, size greater than that. So that's kind of an interesting thought, that despite the fact that if you take a human, an average-sized human today, and an average-sized human from 50 years ago, there's I didn't write it down, but it's like, it's quite a big difference between our average heights. It is unlikely that we will ever reach heights near that. Huh. Interesting. One thing is, sort of, that popped up in this talk, so in the straw thing, in the straw talk, that breath thought uh, sort of came out. In this, how tall can you get? Uh, The thought that came out is that human beings emit light. What? It is light that is so uh, sort of small, or uh, I guess not bright, that the human eye cannot perceive it. However, we do emit light. It's a thousand times dimmer than the human eye can see, but it is present. Hmm. So, the sort of mind-blowing thought with this is that I am emitting light that is traveling at the speed of light, so has been traveling for 31 years, or whatever it is, so my light has traveled into space 31 light years, which is a pretty far goddamn distance, and even when I am dead and rotting in the ground, uh, that light will continue to travel. Uh, Now, this is, we're talking like sort of individual photons, not anything that could be almost measured well measured, but not seen. Uh, so kind of a kind of a mind blowing. I am my light is immortal. Thought, wow. We okay. Getting pretty uh pretty deep in this one, are we not? We are. Question asked and answered. Why do I do it? I don't know why. All right. Let's get in uh, some TED talks before work. I think I can do that. This is going to be a two parter. No no questions about it. Uh, first TED Talk I watched was a guy who was a yo-yo master. Ooh. Not so much in the sort of typical TED education, education kind of stuff. More just, here's some cool shit, have a look at it. But uh, I thought I'd bring it up because he... His sort of underlying uh, theme was just follow your passion because... Uh, anything could happen, and uh, I like that thought, however, if my passion were to become a yo-yo master, the odds of me succeeding at that are slim to the point where, should I really even bother? Hmm, kind of a little bit pessimistic there, but hey, uh, I think it is important to be a little realistic in your goals Shoot high, expect low. <laughs> you hear that, kids? Little uh, little bro cube. Words of wisdom for you there. E. Okay, uh, uh, did I just do the two TEDs? Yeah, TED Talk number two was that we, meaning, <laughs> I guess we as a species—that's the species we—are getting much more precise when it comes to brain stimulation through uh, electricity. Interesting. Uh, so what does that mean? Um, it is basically electrodes that are in your brain uh, before we would activate them, I guess, and it would sort of trigger off great sections of the brain, but now we can sort of uh, pinpoint uh, not only more accurate where it's hitting, but to the the sort of degree with which it is hitting, uh, he pointed out that it's like a, um, a a dimmer switch or a toggle that we can uh, send these electric bursts into the brain. Uh, okay, so what what is the point of doing this other than electricity in the brain? Pretty goddamn cool. Uh, well, there were several things that this that doing this can accomplish. One, the, to me, I think like the most mind blowing one because it was so obvious to see, was uh, they had this woman with Parkinson's disease, and she, uh, if you are unfamiliar with Parkinson's, it will eventually cause you to uh, sort of shake uncontrollably, so she was shaken very, very severely to the point where, if you were doing this for any length of time, it's got to be painful, and then they they sort of just switched on this little uh, electrical toggle, and she... It was mind-blowing how immediate she stopped shaking and could just sort of move normally. So uh, that was pretty mind-blowing. Uh, the next one they used it on was depression. So as you can imagine, this one uh, I thought very <laughs> long and hard about. This is for more se- se- severe cases than myself, obviously, but it sort of turns off Turns off? Yeah, I guess that's as accurate as anything. Turns off the area of the brain that uh, sadness is created. Huh, interesting. Uh, Once this is turned off, areas that have sort of uh, underdeveloped, stagnated, perhaps is a word you could use, will then sort of grow back is not the right word because they were always there, but become much more active than they were. So uh, this is not something you could sort of see in a video. However, he had graphs that explained the differences of EKGs, stuff like that. last one was Alzheimer's. Uh, this was sort of the most recent one they had attempted, I guess. But so far, the data had shown that, that these electrodes in your brain can cause your uh, brain to use glucose much more effectively, because uh, I didn't know this, but apparently Alzheimer's or uh, diseases such as Alzheimer's that cause you to lose sort of cognitive ability and memory are be- are quite often, or always? Mm, I don't know if always, but quite often because your brain is not using glucose effectively. Uh, so They had sort of used these to trigger the the area of the brain that uses glucose, which then in turn caused your memory, uh, your cognitive ability to go upwards. What? Anyways, all all, uh, pretty mind-blowing brain-related stuff. I love that kind of stuff. There was a good, uh, I think it was BBC documentary on the sort of inner workings of the brain, it's its amazing. Two things are amazing in, in the brain field uh, for me. One is how much we know about the brain, and the other is how little we actually know about the brain. So a uh, long way to go before it is like completely mapped and we fully understand its inner workings. But uh, progress, progress. Folks, I am going to go into work and do eight hours of work. Yay, I suppose. The old back is better, but not great. I will be back (laughs) in eight hours. And we'll polish this baby off like so many things that you polish with babies. But love you, dearies. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working! and we're back. We are back! We are back! We are back! We are back! 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 We are back! Back in action! Hello again! Well, we are on the road to home. Yay, that fact. Ugh, the old back made it through another day, and only two more before it's a weekend—a long weekend, no less—in which uh, I will fully recuperate. The one thing about having a bad back, and occasionally over the years throwing it out, is that you can predict fairly accurately uh, how it will rela- how it will react. So uh, I know that this week it's not going to get 100%, but by Monday I should be back at it again at, if not full tilt, um, 7 eighths tilt, let's say. Uh Uh-huh. That has been Jordan's back update. Mm -hmm. Exciting. Okay, let's jump right back into the uh, internet day goodness that is... Item the third? Fourth? I don't know. Sometimes I keep track and sometimes I don't. Uh, I guess this is gonna kinda fall into the don't category. Uh, This is a new item. It is called Felicia's Ark. Haven't uh, had the opportunity in a little bit to bring back anything... Oh no, actually yeah, didn't I bring back a tabletop like, a week ago. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, I was gonna say hadn't brought anything back from Felicia Day's YouTube channel, Geek and Sundry, because um, they had a bunch of shows, kind of a bunch of them were on hiatus at the same time, so, hence the, sort of, lack of programming that I have brought back here. However, she has a new one. Uh, I recommend you, A, subscribe to her channel, because it's got lots of awesome stuff. Uh, some, some announcements this year that she's no longer going to be doing her uh, flog, which is a shame because I really, uh, really enjoyed it. However, from her point of view, I can kind of see how it took a lot of work where she would rather be sort of overseeing her geeky empire. I think it's sort of the, the impetus of her stepping back a little bit from the actual programming. That seemed to be uh, as she explained it, what's going on over there. Uh, my thought was, uh, although it takes a lot of time for her to do the vlog, because uh, a lot of it is her going out and sort of experiencing new things, which I liked, because it was sort of uh, things that I hadn't done either, and through the eyes of someone who perhaps would not always try new things, so uh, it was very good. Uh, one Part of her vlog was called uh, Trio Mio, which I think she could have safely kept just that aspect of it because it was basically uh, she'd pick sort of three things from the internet and then uh, talked about them. Uh, actually, now that I uh, think about it, it's basically a uh, like this podcast on a Friday, a Friday Internet Day episode. So she could have done that and it's. From the standpoint of you're looking at shit anyways on the internet, it's not that difficult to talk about them. My internet day episodes are always pretty jam-packed because the, uh, the interwebs are just bursting with stuff, such as... Wow, a bit of a tangent there. Such as her new shoe, show kind of contesty thing called Felicia's Ark. Sort of a play there, obviously, on... Noah's Ark. Yeah. The famous, the most famous of all Arcs. Ark of the Covenant. I guess that's another pretty famous Ark. What else you got? Mm, that's pretty much it as far as Arcs, I think. If you can think of any other famous arcs, let me know. Uh so this is a good idea. She is trying to decide which video game animals to take with her on the Ark. Huh? Pretty, uh, pretty smart idea. I very much like it. So she'll uh, run down a list of animals. Each week we'll have a theme animal. So far we've done, and I've seen every one, but for some reason I can't quite remember. I think it's cats and bears and... Yeah, cats, bears, and this week was birds. And then at the end of uh, After You've Watched, Every um, nomination for who she should bring on board, you just write in the comments uh, to who you think she should take. I don't remember who won Cats and Bears, but I do remember who I voted for. In Cats, I voted for the Khajiit, which you may know from Skyrim as the sort of half human, half kind of feline race. Uh, For Bears, I voted for Banjo from Banjo-Kazooie. Birds, who did I vote for? Well, here, let me just run down, because for Birds, since it's the first time I'm bringing it back, I brought back all the the, the nominations. First was Scrooge McDuck. He had a goddamn friggin' hard video game for the Nintendo. (laughs) The one reason I think I remember this game is because I think they had it set up in my uh, orthodontist office. I think they had that game and the Aladdin game. So, that's a uh, memory. The birds, or the birds from Duck Hunt. Uh huh. We all know those. Oh, uh, Zelda chickens. Yeah, that's what I voted on, because they're goddamn unstoppable, those chickens. For some reason, within Zelda, if you. You, you can usually get away with hitting a chicken with your sword once, maybe twice, but. Sort of that third time of hitting them, they will just friggin' go nuts and attack you, and they are um, merciless and cannot be stopped. The most deadly of all video game characters, the Zelda Chicken. So that's who I voted for. Resident Evil Crow, um, I kind of don't remember that, actually. Um, Mega Man PP, <laughs> P-I-P-I. I uh, don't really know that one. I wasn't a huge Mega Man fan and The Witcher had harpies in it. The Witcher is a game that I think I would like to play, and looks kind of up my alley, but never kind of got on board for some reason. I don't know. Okay, so that leaves Felicia's arc behind. How would you vote? I'm curious. Uh, And maybe uh, shoot at me your uh, cat and bear pick as well. You don't know what the list were, but uh, hey... You could, you could think for yourself, uh, a cat and a bear from a video game. Come on, what do you think? All right, let's move on to... Oh, uh, I like this one. Uh, it is from Mr. Conan O'Brien. I think I've brought this back a couple of times before. He has basically, at its sort of core, I would say, personally, he has started a podcast. Yay, that. Uh, he calls it Serious Jibber-Jabber, and I think sort of the idea behind it, or what it has been so far, is he'll get a guest from his his talk show, and then bring him over to this sort of dark room with a table, and do a uh, long-form interview, where uh, it does not have to necessarily be jokes, jokes, jokes. It could be uh, some serious talk mixed in with some jokes, because, hey. Okay, He's Conan O'Brien. He can't help himself. This one may not follow that formula exactly in that the guests, plural, were uh, four writers who he worked with when he worked on The Simpsons. uh, That is, I don't know if it's a widely known fact. Uh, I did know that he worked on The Simpsons, but I did not know that fact until probably a couple of years ago, if that, so perhaps not widely known that he was one of the writers. Anyways, cool little tidbit there, and it was sort of a uh, re- reunion, where uh, they sat down and chatted for, you know, an hour and a half. Perfect example of a podcast. They filmed it, however, uh, I think if you had just the audio, you would be fine wouldn't be lost. Got a few notes from it. Let's see what they say. The first one is on Conan's first day, he apparently came over from writing on Saturday Night Live from Sounds it. And on his very first day, he's sort of getting set up in his office and uh, decided he needed a coffee to get going. So uh, he leaves his room and then into the window of his office flies a bird. A bird which then smashes through the window and dies. <laughs> So, uh, in he walks, and then in walks his boss, who this is sort of the first time, um, probably not meeting him, but seeing him at work, sees that within his office is a dead bird, and just says to him, shaking his head, that's not a good sign. (laughs) So, uh, I like that story. Hmm. He pointed out that a lot of people think that uh, a writer's room is sort of... Very exciting, sort of people up walking around, bouncing around ideas, uh, very vocal, perhaps tossing a ball around, uh, doing exciting things, shooting out words a mile a minute. However, he says that uh, is sort of a fallacy, a bit of a myth. Uh, You know what? He said that, and I don't know if he said that. Uh, is not true of the Simpsons writing room, or just sort of writing rooms in general. So, curious about that. That would be kind of one of my dream jobs, I think. Um, writing comedy for a television show. Yeah. I think I would really like it. Hmm. Curious. Just throwing that out there. Uh, he points out it's more, <laughs> like, to the point where... Someone would say something, like an idea for a show, and then ten minutes of silence would sort of pass as the writers would ponder over it. So, not sort of uh, jam-packed with excitement. That's probably not something that uh, makes it more interesting, but it's more real, which is one of the reasons I think I like podcasts is because facts like that are more likely to come out. Lastly, he told... uh Lastly, as far as my notes, that is, he told a a little story about how he met Johnny Carson. Uh, As you can imagine, being a late-night talk show host, you are going to admire one of the biggest, if not the biggest of all time, late-night talk show host, Mr. Johnny Carson. So he and uh, the rest of the writers were sort of awestruck, starstruck and said that, uh, they got lucky because I guess that's not always the case that he was like super nice, told stories, super funny, and had that sort of, uh, ideal experience you wish to have. However, then, um, as Johnny Carson was leaving the lot where, uh, the, the voice recording was done, he, uh, stopped and asked Conan how he got out and sort of the choice was do I turn left and do I turn Right. And in a moment of starstruck fumbliness, Conan gave him the wrong direction uh, and sent him to a dead end. <laughs> so I always sort of regretted that fact. See, little little funny shits like that. Lovely. Let's move on to a podcast. Looks like I'm only gonna have one this week. Oh, sadness. Uh, it is, by the way, with Jeff Garland. By the way, the name of the podcast. Jeff Garland, the name of the host. Uh, Brought these back a, a couple of times. Uh, he is new to the podcast game, only I think this is his fourth episode or third episode. Uh, funny to think I've done more podcasts than him. However, him his are much, much better than mine. <laughs> Damn you for being better after only doing this many. He's in show business, though, because so, he, uh, he knows what he's doing as far as talking in front of audiences, which is sort of the format these take. Uh, It's interesting because they they take a format of a podcast in that it's him interviewing someone. However, he does it in front of an audience on stage. Uh, I think it's good for him because he kind of feeds off the reaction of the audience. His guest this episode was Mr. Conan O'Brien. What the hell? Coincidence, worlds colliding. It was just friggin'... Jeff Garland is one of the funniest people out there, and this podcast is sort of slowly turning into one of my favorites. So glad I kind of stumbled upon it a little bit. Him, who is super funny, sitting down with a collection of super funny people. People who was... It was Will Farrell, yeah, last time. Did I bring that one back? I don't remember. But uh him sitting down with Conan O'Brien, this is sort of like serious jibber-jabber. However, they are trying to be funny for uh, a greater chunk of it. And uh, I don't even know if trying is the right word so much as just being funny. Apparently, uh, Jeff Garland was friends with, was and I guess is friends with Conan O'Brien from sort of way back in the day before Conan even got his start in the biz. (laughs) One thing that uh, amused me in particular of this talk was how uh, apparently Jeff garland and Conan uh, I, it was a, I'm a little fuzzy on if they act, live together uh, with like a bunch of other guys kind of kind of thing it was either that or just in the middle of the night Jeff Garland would call Conan at like three in the morning and get him to say something he had said earlier in the day or do an impression that he had done earlier in the day. Otherwise, he wouldn't be able to sleep without hearing and laughing at it uh, again. The example that I remember that they used was apparently uh, Conan does a me, George, Takai impression. So imagine you're Conan O'Brien sort of slowly dozing off to sleep and then Jeff Garland calls you at 3 o'clock in the morning and harasses you until you do it your uh, George... Or your George Decay impression. That thought friggin' had me laughing pretty good. Uh, another thing that sort of popped up was how Jeff Garland uh, uh, sort of immediately took Conan's side when there was this sort of big uh, Conan-J. Leno debacle. Uh, I'm not going to go into that because I don't have time. But uh, I appreciated that, that he was sort of loyal to his friend despite the fact that uh, no one seemed to care that he took sides. Okay, that is the end of talking on a podcast, meaning this one. Oh, you know what? I should do. I didn't have this written down or anything in particular to say. However, since this is a Frah internet day episode, it would be ill-advised of me to not mention at least once Mr. Chris Hardwick. (laughs) Uh, I remember so far every single internet day episode, with the exception of one, Chris Hardwick has come up some way or another. Uh, Almost didn't come up this episode, just because I had nothing written down, Uh, be it podcast or something from the Nerdist YouTube channel, so there it is. The mention, folks, uh, this week, as you may have noticed... Sort of really messing around with the order of podcasts. Uh, like we started out with a book Wednesday, moved on to a... For video games day, I think? I don't even remember. But uh, next week, probably, hopefully, try to be back a little more in the swing of things as far as having Monday follow, Tuesday follow, Wednesday, etc. That's the plan anyway. With that said, it is nice. To be nice. To the nice. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Lackadaisical Libra wrist We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address. Maywood.Jordan at gmail.com And now I have a theory.